Welcome back to Self-Respectness. I really have been wanting to do that for a while now. Probably not going to use it, but I thought it would be super fun to intro the podcast with me just busting out hard. I love singing. I am a terrible singer, but unfortunately, your ears are going to be subjected to my singing quite often on this podcast, and I apologize in advance for my inability to not sing when I'm trying to speak words. All right, on today's episode, we have got some amazing stories. You know, it's weird that I said amazing stories because, well, I'm talking about my own stories. It sounds so vain, but what can I say? I love them. I love reading these stories and I love sharing them with you. So let's just get right into it and start the storytelling. Okay, I like to do some vocal warm-ups before I start my reading for the day because it helps me exercise my mouth muscles. I'm sure there's a more professional term for that, and I'm pretty sure professional term wasn't what I was looking for, but you know what? This is my podcast, and I can say almost anything I want. So shall we begin with the tongue twisters, the vocal warm-ups for my mouth muscles? Mm, yes, we shall. Good, bad, blad, bud. <laughs> I, shouldn't, I shouldn't go in so hot. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, I lost it. Where is it? Okay, we'll try a different one. Red Buick, blue Buick, red Buick, blue Buick, red Buick, blue Buick. I did that one. I killed it. Okay, I'll try another one. Pre-shrunk silk shirts, pre-shrunk silk shirts, pre-shrunk schlick. <laughs> okay, that one didn't go as well. Let's try a different one. Uh... Oh, this this could be dangerous. I slit the sheet, the sheet I slit, and the other slitted sheet I sit. That sounds dirty. I slit the sheet, the sheet I slit, and on the slitted sheet I sit. What is a slitted sheet? What is slitting the sheet? Am I saying that word wrong? Slit. I slit the sheet, the sheet I slit, and on the slitted sheet I sit. If anyone can tell me what a slitted sheet is, I would be grateful. So you can email me about slitting the sheet at, I don't have an email address set up right now, but I will get one set up and we will figure that out. And, 
good blood, bad blood, good blood, bad blood, good blood, bad blood. Oh, I'm so bad at these. a very very long time ago but only recently put it onto my medium.com account it is called there's more than one reason to fear the crow a story about killer crows and explosive diarrhea in the spring of 2014 i was in love with jogging in reality jogging was just a fancy term i used for fast-paced walking Sure, I'd throw in an occasional running spurt every 10 minutes or so, but all in all, nothing overly strenuous. I've always been remarkably lazy. I had been fast-paced walking for nearly a week before running into some... uh, problems. A flock of vicious demon birds, to be exact. Also known to the lay people as the common crow. I ventured onto their street during one of my outings, and these flying bastards attacked me out of nowhere. Also, you should know, I am terrified of birds. Not slightly squeamish at their beady eyes and disease-carrying physiques, but irrationally petrified with a fear that burns deep within my soul. This fear, as all irrational fears go, stems from my childhood. It was a childhood where my grandmother's parrot, George, would flap attack me with his giant green wings while squawk screaming the words, bugger off, over and over and over again. To be clear, this happened on multiple occasions. On more than one occasion, a crazy cursing parrot attacked me. Maybe it's not an irrational fear now that I come to think of it. On the morning of my crow attack, I was not aware the crows could be territorial. I quickly learned, however. The crows began stalking me as I fast-paced walked along the sidewalk. Flashbacks of George's massive multicolored feathers and high-pitched hate speech clouded my better judgment as I ducked and then eventually started army crawling on the sidewalk to escape the crows' talony clutches. Ultimately, the only good thing these black-winged beasts did was allow me to discover that I can, in fact, run. I am actually a pretty great runner when forced to in a life-or-being-pecked-to-death situation. I don't want to brag or anything, but I'm pretty sure I'd fare well in an apocalyptic zombie-ostrich scenario. The situation was startling, but I wasn't going to let the crows put a crimp in my new workout regime. The next morning, I got up with a positive outlook. I would merely take the longer running route to avoid my new arch enemies. The run started great. I was pumped and feeling the burn. As other joggers passed me, I gave them the good morning nod and smile. I was feeling victorious. Not even a bastard bird could bring me down. Everything was coming up, Lindsay. It occurred to me that I had traveled much farther from home than anticipated. And, as Murphy's Law would have it, this is when the inevitable stomach cramps took hold. With a churning of the gut, my intestines twisted into a roller coaster of bad feelings and the pressing need to relieve myself immediately. 5.30 in the morning is a terrible time for this type of affliction to hammer down upon a person. At this ungodly hour, there are no public restrooms open. 
I was on the opposite side of town from my house, a solid half-hour walk from my beautiful porcelain toilet. After a few minutes of fast-paced walking with the buttocks clenched so tightly, I subconsciously celebrated the fact that I was getting in a glutes workout as well, I realized I was in some serious trouble. Now, as I passed other joggers, I only had the energy to give them a quick sideways glance. I was unable to focus on anything other than keeping the floodgates closed to avoid an explosion of profoundly demoralizing proportions. A cold sweat covered my body. This was not from the workout, but the constant reminder that shitting my Lululemons was a distinct possibility. There I'd be, a 28-year-old woman hobbling homeward while a bucket's worth of flu-induced bodily waste speckled like a trail of disgusting breadcrumbs behind her. It became all too real when I started scoping out trees and discreet corners to relieve my crying-out colon. But in the small part of my brain that was still thinking rationally, I knew that I couldn't poo on public property like a dog. I didn't have a bag with me. Finally, I had made it to the path behind my house, the home stretch. It was not until then that the pain of having to rid myself of the fecal was so intense that I had to stop to regroup. A town worker driving alongside the road watering it, the hanging baskets that dangled off lampposts stopped her duties and began looking at me with an odd sort of stare. She slowly approached me as I doubled over, desperately trying to hold in the shit that would undoubtedly soon begin to gush out of me like water from a recently kinked garden hose. The town worker started saying something, but before she could finish, I shooed her away. I uncurled myself and carried on. I didn't want to be rude, but at the time, I didn't have the words to explain my current predicament. During those last few yards, I walked with surprising stamina and vigor. I was moving stiffly upon two unbending legs, not unlike a rusted tin man. My fear was that any loosey-goosey movement would give way to the cascade of diarrhea that was now eagerly awaiting liberation. Tears spilled over my eyelids with each wave of stomach cramps. My face contorted into a mash of astonishment and disbelief that this might happen. I might poop myself. Never again would I be able to think of myself as someone who hasn't pooped her pants while working out. As I reached the last stretch of the path, I saw the one thing that nearly caused me to discharge then and there. The crows. They were waiting for me, blocking that last bit of path I had to journey. They began squawking at me and swooping lower and lower with each dive made towards my trembling body. If I let them get me, I thought, I'd surely shit my pants, consequently dying either from bird-related disease or the dishonor of shitting my pants as a full-grown woman. If I tried to take another route home, this too would result in the pants-shitting dilemma, thus also resulting in death by pants-shittery. I must go under them, I whispered to myself. Taking my chances, I held dear to the blind hope that I could clench just long enough to pass through the foul infestation and come out safely on the other side. As I ran and clenched and prayed of all things taught to the sphincter gods, I 
heard the echoic crowd of a football stadium cheering me on. I pushed forward while still really concentrating on not pooping myself as the crows shrieked their bitter disappointment with each missed attack. I may never know what got me through that terrible morning. Perhaps it was the sheer force of will that allowed me safe passage through the killer crows, or maybe it was the gentle hand of God helping a gal out in her time of need. All I know is from that day forward, I never engage in fast-paced walking without first scoping out the area for birds with demon-like qualities, and also securing the availability of a nearby washroom. Why is it that you're always the bad guy when you sit on a baby? There is nothing worse than sitting on a baby and then never hearing the end of it. First of all, I'd like to point out that I didn't sit on the baby intentionally. It was an entirely understandable misunderstanding in that I was a little drunk and the baby, being a newborn, was relatively small and undetectable in my inebriated state. Also, I'd like to make it clear that the baby is fine. Well, from what I hear, the baby is fine. I lost touch with the mother shortly after the shower when I sat on her newborn. In all honesty, there is so much that can be misconstrued when you sit on someone's baby by accident. I've had people ask me how I managed to plop down upon a baby, and to that I replied, Why would any competent mother dress her infant child in camouflaged onesies? Most people want to know why I was that drunk at a baby shower. And the answer is simple. Babies make me deeply, deeply uncomfortable. It's something about their tiny fingers and big bulbous heads that remind me of old... Er, I don't want to be ageist here, so let's call them age-advanced people. Age-advanced people also make me uncomfortable because personally, I prefer only to spend time with individuals my own age. This is a matter of principle, but also a medical condition, and also a mental health issue. If you've never heard of this affliction, that's fine, but I'd appreciate it if you didn't criticize and mock my struggles. I literally cannot stomach getting to know people who are not within weeks of my exact age. My therapist says it's not my fault and I need to learn to be okay with living my truth. To curb the intense feeling of dizziness and nausea I get when in the vicinity of anyone older or younger than me, symptoms worsen with the larger the age gap, I tend to drink to suppress my anxiety. I've been to a few baby showers before and usually there isn't much booze around. So that's why I've learned to smuggle a bottle of vodka everywhere I go. So, on that fateful babysitting day, I excused myself to go to the bathroom, 
holding down the vomit that was surely going to come up at any moment, while all the other ladies in the room cooed over that little cherub-faced dwarf they called Henry. I dry-heaved for a while, then took a good hard look at myself and said, Look, you have to be here. You promised your mother, who you no longer hang out with in person because she's too old, that you would make an appearance at your cousin's shower to celebrate her new baby. You can do this. You can be in a room with a baby. I took a swig of the bottle and started airboxing with myself in the mirror as motivational music from the 1980s played through in my head. Nobody ever talks about how brave it was of me to go and face that baby. Oh, no. They're all like, Cindy, you sat on a baby. You're a terrible person. No questions asked. Anyway, that's how I ended up sitting on the baby. As soon as I made contact, the baby started bawling and everyone was immediately devastated. You sat on the baby, they screamed. I was too drunk at that point, so they had to pull me off the couch, and in the chaos, I fell to the floor where I would remain until I regained the ability to stand of my own volition. Meanwhile, they all ran to baby Henry's defense, not giving me any mind at all. My life has been utterly ruined since the babysitting debacle. First of all, my cousin, who is exactly my age, doesn't want anything to do with me anymore. Do you know how difficult it is to make real connections with people when you can only converse with those who are the same age as you? Now I am down to precisely three friends I can spend time with, which is just hugely a problem for me. Three people? I am a very social person and need human interaction to positively feed my mental health needs but only with people my own age. Why is that so difficult to understand? Also, babies now freak me out on several different levels. Obviously, our intimidating age difference and having to worry about their teeny tiny size and if I will or will not sit on them in a plastered state. I can't live my life if I have to constantly worry about sitting on top of babies. I was thinking about having my sight removed because then I wouldn't know if I was in the vicinity of people of varying ages. But if the rumors are to be believed, then my other senses would be heightened and I'd develop some kind of sixth sense, an infant age-advanced barometer, if you will. So as you can see, there are literally no answers to my plight. It isn't an easy weight to bear, but it is mine. I really want to bring awareness to this anti-age difference affliction that I believe I'm not alone in. Please join my Twitter hashtag campaign, hashtag babies make me nervous, to show your support for this life-altering disorder. Bless. <laughs> I would just like to add to this that I actually once did sit on a baby at a baby shower. 
and I had had a few glasses of champagne in that event, which gave me the ingenious inspiration to write this satire piece. So, I don't know, maybe I should have just told the actual story, but I think this one's funnier. Alright, my lovely listeners, I think it is time for us to draw to a close. These have been fun stories to throw your way, as well as we've had some laughs, hopefully. You've had some laughs as well, and it's not just me laughing at my own jokes like a crazy person. That's that's a distinct possibility, though, too, so... We'll just have to see what the reviews end up saying. That is another thing. I don't really know how to review a podcast, but if you do and you want to give me a review, that would be sweet. Check out my writing on medium.com. The link for um, my profile is in the podcast details. And yeah. Make sure to tune in next week because it will be another fun-filled show of stories and wonderful, terrible jokes on Self-Respectless. I'm going to leave you with the bloopers, of which there are many, because I was not very good at reading today. Welcome to another episode. Oh my god. What am I doing? He gave me... Oh, Jesus, Lucy. Oh my god, you scared me. Jesus. Oh Sorry if you hear my dog in the background here. She scared the hell out of me. I tend to write a lot of stories about shitting myself or other people shitting themselves. I don't know, it's or nearly shitting myself. The ones the times that I have actually done it. Oh, this intro is getting way out of hand. I got to stop. I heard the echoic echoic why Lindsay? Why? Finally, I had to make, I can't read things. Mm. Oh my god, I'm so hungover. I'm dying. (laughs) 